Hey, welcome back to another episode of Smoke Signals. It is St. Patrick's Day, so I'm recording this. So if that is something you celebrate, happy St. Patrick's Day to you. I'm Justin Laddam, joined by Spencer Carlson. Spencer, it has been, uh, I want to say, eight, nine, maybe eight or nine years since I've really celebrated St. Patrick's Day, like actually gone out and done something. Does that make me old? Uh, absolutely. I mean, a guy, you know, over here from can't read, can't write Kent state. I've had plenty of my St. Patrick's <laughs> days in the last couple of years. So. All right. Well, thanks for making me feel better about that. I'm done. This has been smoke signals. <laughs> I'm going to go to bed now because it's past my bedtime. No, uh, <laughs> I had my fun back in St. Patrick's day and I can't wait to go out and get like a, a Reuben this weekend. That's about the only kind of celebrating I'll do. So. That's where I'm at in life. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> um, we get fans in the seats, though. So, like, you know, life's going a tad bit back to normal. Yeah, we're heading back in the right direction, even if there's no traditional St. Patrick's Day parade. Um, if you're lucky enough, speaking of St. Patrick's Day, if you're lucky enough to have a cable provider, Spencer, that has baseball on TV, uh, we are seeing more spring training games on TV. I think, uh, let's see, Tuesday's game was on TV. Uh, tonight, Wednesday, March 17th is on TV. I believe tomorrow, Thursday is televised, and there's a couple more after that. So uh, we're going to get to the TV end of things by the end of the podcast. So wait for my get off my lawn rant of the week for that. Uh, but yeah, if you're lucky enough to have a game provider that, that carries the Indians' new channel, uh, you can watch more games on TV in the spring, which to me is always a good thing, especially when it's like a I like, I like when they're four o'clock games because I can put it on while I'm working and it makes the end of the day come faster and I feel like I have something to look forward to. I don't mind this, this 9 p.m. start either. I'm, I'm a night owl, so I'm okay with it for now and, and gets going for the regular season. Yeah, man, I think uh, paying $119 a month to be able to watch the Tribe is more than what I have to suffice to do, but I uh, guess I'm willing to do it. So, uh, you know, it is what it is at this point. It's brutal. It's brutal. The live sports are are truly keeping yeah. cable alive these days, I would say. So we'll get to more of that. Um, we would be very happy and lucky. We'd consider ourselves lucky if you would check out IndianSpaceballInsider.com. We still have lots of content coming to you every day. So if you're listening to this podcast, um, please, if you haven't, come over to our website and check out IndianSpaceballInsider.com. Today, Spencer wrote up the season preview for Aaron Savali, who is going to be an important figure in this rotation. He's made some changes to his arsenal, his mechanics. Um, he's already, you know, had a couple, <clears throat> I wouldn't say great seasons, but he's had a good debut and a, a okay follow-up last year. So I think he's going to be a key player this year, and it's reasonable to expect him to settle into that third starter role. And then tomorrow – will be everybody's favorite reliever, James Karinshack. I'll have that season preview up for James Karinshack tomorrow, what to look for from him this year. And then if you are a subscriber, uh, yesterday at 23 and 24 in our 2021 top prospect rankings was Carson Tucker and Isaiah Green. Uh, Tucker was the Indians' first-round pick in 2020. 
and Isaiah Green was one of the two prospects that came in the Francisco Lindor trade. So you're going to want to check that out. Scouting reports on them. Uh, and if you're not an insider, it's four ninety nine a month. So if you really like minor league baseball and Tribe prospects, uh, you won't find more detailed scouting reports on the Tribe prospects than you will at NeansBaseballInsider.com. And tomorrow is Wednesday or Thursday. It's Petey Halpin, another 2020 Tribe draft pick. And at 21 is John Kenzie Noel. A, I'm sorry, that's today. Petey Halpin and John Kenzie Noel. Uh, first base and third base with a lot of power. Tomorrow, Thursday, is Josh Wolf, another pitcher who came in the, in the Francisco Linder deal. And Bobby Bradley, who we're going to talk about here. And that's a great segue to Spencer roster decisions. So we won't start with Bobby Bradley. We'll get to him. Uh, the last time you and I po- did a podcast there last week, we just missed the announcement of Ahmed Rosario being I don't want to say move to center field, but I guess tryout is probably the right word. He played in the B game uh, Sunday when the uh, the big team was off against the Reds. And then Tuesday he played center field, and it was hard to watch. Uh, it was the worst. It was the worst <laughs> inning of baseball I've watched uh, since I played Little League personally, but uh, it's you can't really can't blame the guy. He's played three innings out there, and like I said verbatim last week, tracking a fly ball is a whole nother level when you've played infield your entire life. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I really can't blame the guy at all. You can't just expect a shortstop who's taking ground balls to start seeing 97 mile an hour balls off the bat that are slicing uh, and get good reads on it, especially when center field is the most important position. So, it, I mean, it is what it is. I think the experiment goes longer. I mean, we got to find the guy a spot somewhere. Uh, we'll see how the roster is constructed over the next two weeks. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of overreaction on Twitter. Maybe it was just me. And I, I think part of it, too, is also – I don't want to say oh, overcorrection is not the right word, but I feel like it, it's not a bad thing. Like, I feel like people are really – I don't want to say maybe if you're already a baseball fan, you're paying attention, you're being a little more hyper-focused on things. So I feel like there was a lot of overreaction to those errors. Like, yeah, he made three errors, and uh, two of them were fly balls that he misjudged, or it was windy and he misjudged them. That's another thing he's got to deal with is the wind. And then he booted a ball, uh, a grounder, a base hit. So that's, that's one you probably want him to make because he's been an infielder before. But I feel like there was a lot of overreaction on Twitter. Like, I saw a lot of people who were just like, Oh, this is terrible. The Indians have no center fielder. Can they do, you know, are they still want to stick with this? Can they try another thing? And I'm like, I don't know. It, it was a couple innings. Yeah, he looked bad, but no reason to be like, all right, well, that didn't work. He made three errors in one and in three innings. So, uh, new idea. It's not like a wide receiver in football where he plays two games and drops like four passes, and you're like, well, this guy's got bad hands. Right, absolutely. I don't know. I think, uh, I think <laughs> you still have to see improvement quickly, considering it is, you know, three seventeen, uh, and you kind of want this guy to be playing in the outfield. Uh, so if you can see marginal improvements where he can close his mitt and catch the ball and track fly balls, I think you can kind of get away with it. But the part that also leaves me nervous uh, that has not been talked about is every stadium in Major League Baseball is built differently, and a lot of a lot mm-hmm. of these guys. I've played, especially outfielders specifically, have played in a lot of ballparks where they're used to seeing how balls deflect off 
fences and, you know, fences that go further back and whatnot. I don't think he has that in him uh, because he necessarily, like I said, can't track a fly ball just yet. So if a ball is hit behind him, you know, it's always first step back but it's the matter of judging when balls are hit just a tad bit further. I think the whole tracking a fly ball in front of you thing, he'll figure out. Uh, I don't think that's going to become much of an issue. He has the speed. He has the ability to do it. He'll never be an amazing, you know, defensive outfielder, but tracking the balls behind him, I don't know if it'll be there. I think this is going to be something we learn in the next two weeks. Uh, is it an overreaction over one inning? Yeah. I mean, you get you get yips for one inning and you start getting real nervous. It's kind of like a pitcher throwing over to first base. You know, you kind of just let it go and see if they can make the throw next time or, you know, make the catch next time. So I'd say let's see how the experiment goes over the next two weeks. If it continues to be the same way, I uh, would have to err on the side of caution and not throw them out there. I also think that I think people expected him to be the opening day center fielder. I'm like – I don't know when they when they talked about that being a, a experiment with them. I I didn't see it as. Same. I I didn't think like oh April first he'll be the outfield he'll be the starting center fielder like I just didn't see that ever happening like true I think they want him to be capable of playing out there at some point but I I just never saw them putting him in center field on opening day and saying this is a guy no matter how good he did like I just don't there's there's like. Like I said, there's two weeks left. There's there's like a 12 games left. Okay, I just don't see there being enough time to get him comfortable in center field. And it's not like he's played there before. Like people were talking about how Jason Kipnis in the past was was playable in center field. Jason Kipnis was an outfielder in college and played second base in the minors. Right. Ahmed Rosario has been a shortstop since he's a teenager. I'm saying. Like it's a it's a big difference. So anybody who thought that. After one game, it seemed like Ahmed Rosario was going to be the answer in center field. I think was kidding themselves, and they were setting themselves up to be fooled, and they were, you know, setting him up to to become in below expectations. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I, I just I think it's ridiculous to expect that he was going to be ready by April first to take on that role. Yeah, I would have to tend to agree. So we'll see where that goes. Um, definitely impacted Shane Bieber. I mean, Shane Bieber, Shane Bieber, I think has some command issues on Tuesday. You know, he ended up, I think nine, nine runs in that game were charged, not charged in, but they were, they came when he was in the mound. And I think one was earned because of the air. So, you know, it made him work a little harder, but I think Terry Francona said, you know, not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it, it pushed him to, to throw in stress situations and, and aired out and uh, to work through a jam. So maybe not a big deal. But I think the person who's impacted most, well, okay, it's three guys. Obviously, you know, we, we expected Mercado and Zimmer to compete for center field. We don't really know how that's going right now. But the guy that really I'm confused about in all of this at this point, and Zach Meisel wrote on The Athletic last week about Rosario going to center and some other things, it made me think, like, Daniel Johnson hasn't played a single inning in center field in spring training this year. Not, not, at least not in a game. Maybe he hasn't like practiced or a B game. We don't know, but right. Johnson played center in the minors and he has yet to log an inning in a game out there this year in spring. And they're putting Rosario out there to see what happens. And they decided to pit Bobby Bradley and Jake Bowers for the first base role, move Josh Naylor to right field. So that automatically eliminated Daniel Johnson from winning a job in right field, right? right? 
and they have not given him a chance to center field. So I'm like, what's happening here? Like, if you're not happy with Oscar Mercado or Bradley Zimmer, and you're and you're hell bent on Bobby Bradley or Jake Bowers winning the first base job, so you move Naylor to right field. Why on earth has Daniel Johnson not seen a single inning in center field when he's done it in the minors and he's more than capable and he's ready for a shot? Like I'm, I'm really starting to doubt how they feel internally about what Daniel Johnson can do. And that confuses me because as someone who's seen him play and, and, and has heard from other people who know more than I do on, on evaluating players that he's a capable player. Like he's not a star, but he's a, a capable major league player. And he could be the answer in center field by April 1st. I, I I'm very confused. Yeah. Um, I have a tendency to think it's internal. Uh, and I have a feeling that the conversations internal deal with like, yeah, he has, he played center field in the minor leagues. I feel like it's an internal conversation is do they think he can play center field in the major leagues? Uh, so I don't know. It's pretty fishy to me. I personally want to see Daniel Johnson get his 400 at bats. I said that the first time I was on an episode, but you know, dude, I just want 300. I, that's all. Yeah, I want well, we're, we're about to get I'm, 200 I'm not... at bats of Jake Bowers. So can we, you know, it, you know, there's parts that's very frustrating of this. Cause these are guys we've, you know, spend a lot of time researching, watching, you know, and you want them to get their chance, but you don't know the conversations that are happening internally. And they haven't said anything externally. You know, and they're not saying like the stuff they say with like Bobby Bradley, where they're like, okay, man, you need to like lose weight or, you know, gain weight back. Or they're not saying like, hey, Jake Bowers, you need to fix your swing. I haven't heard a peep of like a negative comment towards Daniel Johnson. So I think it has to be, man, internal. I don't know. I have any other answer for you. I have not heard a peep. You know, 270 and two bombs this, uh, you know, this spring. Uh, his strikeouts are pretty high. But once again, like we talked about this last week, it's 15 at-bats. Let him get his 400 at-bats. Get him get his 300 at-bats. Yeah, I – the guy can play. Like, Jackson's got – I mean, there were, there, were, there were scouts when he was drafted by the Nationals that thought that Daniel Johnson's future might have been as a pitcher. Like, that's how good his arm is. And he clearly can run. So I don't think that defense is a problem for him. Like, would, would he play – maybe he wouldn't be a great center fielder, but would he be adequate? Like, he's got to be better than Ahmed Rosario for two weeks, right? Like, anybody's better than that, considering the guy needs to learn. Yeah, I think this just runs into – kind of I think this runs into – a decent amount of the conversation we had last week. And I even did a little bit more research into it. The team had such a set roster for so long with very few interchangeable pieces that they had a pretty good stockpile of uh, guys. We wanted to see that are anywhere from 23 to 27 year olds. And here's the thing is there's nine spots, man, there's that's it. And then, you know, you know, got pitching depth and bench spots, but you kind of don't want these guys that have bench spots because you want them to get their plate appearances. So some guys are going to have to go play in triple a. And I personally want Daniel Johnson to play, but you know, with the signings of Fernandez and Rosario, those guys are obviously getting at bats because you need veterans on the team. But the same thing goes with the Rosario uh, Jimenez and Yu Chang's of the world and everything else. Bobby Bradley's Jake Bowers. You got guys you want to see get at bats, but you don't have the position availability to allow those guys to get at bats because everyone's sitting in the same age frame, if you know what I'm saying. Well, yeah, that's, that's part of their problems too. 
is the age thing too. But I, I don't know. I am not I'm not as worried about Bobby Bradley or Jake Bowers. I'm 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 definitely more in the camp of why Daniel Johnson's getting this treatment because true. I, I, like I said, if if you but, if, do they like do they do they like because they is is it because Ahmed Rosario came in a trade for Francisco Lindor they feel like they have to they have to find a way to make him useful and I, right. I'm not saying they shouldn't play I'm like yeah I want to see Ahmed Rosario can do too but clearly Andres Jimenez deserves shortstop and he's going to be shortstop so and and, and I'm I'm going to go ahead and say Rosario probably doesn't start the season on the big league team not if they want the center field thing to. If they want to continue to explore the center field thing with him, I which think he has to go to the ultimate for him because he's start. seven for eighteen in the spring training. He did nothing to lose a job. He just saw a kid that was younger and has higher potential jump in front of him. It's not like he, I mean he had the, obviously the bad defense for one inning, but he didn't do anything to deserve to a demotion to Triple A. Even with his major league stats with the Mets, he didn't deserve a demotion to the Triple A. So he's a guy of circumstance. And the thing is, is you know, if we look through this roster, if we just spent like playing a game of 50-50, there's a bunch of these guys on this roster. I mean, Zimmer's probably never going to get at bats again. Um, you know, it, it, we go through that the next. I mean, we have Mercado and Zimmer written down. Uh, what does, you know, Rosario playing in the outfield do to those two guys? Right. I don't know what, where their future goes. That's the problem, too. Like, it's not, it's, it's, uh, it's bad luck for them. Like, I can't imagine that if you're considering, again, that's, that, this is my question. Are they, are they so intrigued by Rosario that, they want to get his bat in the lineup somehow, or I think so. do they feel like they have to play? Do they have? Do they feel like they have to play him because he came in a trade for Francisco Lindor? I, I think it's or all three. Or happy it's all three. He was he was in. Yeah. The, he was a key piece in the trade. He hit really well. I mean, he had very early Francisco Lindor numbers from the plate in his one full season. Uh, when he got 616 at bats in 2019, let me pull those up. I mean, he had very very good hitting numbers. Uh, I'm gonna pull those up right now. Those are 2019, at the age of 23, he hit 287 with 15 home runs, 72 RBIs, 20 stolen bases, with a 755 OPS and a 101 OPS plus. That guy's a major league player, Justin. He is. I mean, I don't think he's a special player, but he's a – the approach needs a lot of work, and he, he did get thrown out 10 out of the 29 times he ran, so I think – yeah, he's a major league player. He's just he's not he's a he's a barely above average hitter who doesn't play great defense at shortstop. Yeah, it, but so, so here's the thing. He put him yeah, in the outfield. So, so absolutely but here's my thing is like, yeah, we have to experiment on guys like Mercado and Zimmer and all these other guys. But this guy's a proven person that's been able to hit. And here's what the Indians haven't had since Michael Brantley has left. A proven guy that can hit in the outfield. So so let me ask let me ask you something if if i said player a and player b which player a would be ahmad rosario and he had these numbers or osco mercado was player b and had these same exact numbers we would be thrilled if mercado hit 287 with 15 bombs and 72 rbis with 19 stolen bases would we not i mean but mercado basically did that his rookie year I mean, we need to do a player A versus player B. I don't think so. I don't think they were that special. Um, as your uh, 
yours and my favorite Twitter moment with uh, one special man from uh, 92, uh, whatever that show is over there. Uh, but he thought he was going to have a five war that season. Uh, and all right. So he hit 269 with 15 home runs, 54 RBIs and 15 stolen bases. Very similar. And great, and defense. great defense. Absolutely. Uh, here's the thing is, Ahmad Rosario was a 10 times better prospect going up through the rankings than Mercado was. Uh, Mercado was basically thrown. What trade did he come in again? That was the, uh, that was Connor Cakel, I think, Jan yeah, Torres. He, yeah, that Cardinal. was a. He was a good, he was a shortstop, remember? He, he was also a shortstop. He came up as a shortstop and was terrible defensively a shortstop and impacted yeah. his hitting. And then. He got to the outfield and his bat. Yeah, and these took guys off. are very similar age, and then his bat took off. Uh, but and then the thing that we that scares me a little bit with Mercado is he went through like that mental aspect of like hitting next year. And I kind of want to wipe out twenty twenty. Obviously, like that's just I really don't like to look at twenty twenty numbers. I like to look at twenty nineteen numbers. Uh, but if you remember as well as I do, and of course I didn't watch all of Rosario's Mets games, shockingly. I didn't watch that many Mets games. Uh, I don't think anybody did, including Mets fans. But but yeah, I mean, one guy was a throw-in and a trade for guys that you barely talk about. One guy was traded for Francisco Lindor. So which one's going to get the at-bats, man? Yeah, I just I don't like that philosophy. I hate that. I hate. So I, get, I, they okay, do that a so lot. That's where the same thing as where Jake Bowers is out of options, and we talk about all the time. Are we just giving up on the Andy Diaz trade? It's the same thing you'd be talking about the Lindor trade, and that happened this offseason, man. So, I don't know. I, are you done on Ahmad Rosario already? Do you want him to be a Cincinnati Red? Well, there was talk about him being traded when he got here, so I feel like maybe there was some some thought that the Indians wanted to flip him, that he was kind of a – like, I feel like Rosario – Rosario kind of wore out his welcome in New York. Like, he had some some issues that also didn't pertain to him playing on the field either. So I feel like the Indians got him because, you know, he still has some potential, but the Mets also took on a lot of salary, and it was kind of like, well, hey, we're taking on – all this money from Carrasco and Lindor. So here's the guys you want. Here's this guy that we don't need. We don't want, and you're going to take him. Like, I, I kind of feel like that's what happened. And the Indians want to, I, I think this is about his value too. I feel like if he can play all over the place, if he can play center or short, wherever else, I feel like it's also a value booster to him too. So I feel like they're going that route with him too. But I just think it's weird that I, I, I think the whole, all the signs are strange to me about, so Daniel Johnson, crazy. like his best season in 2019, he had a 0. 0.8 offensive war, but he had a 5.9 defensive war. Uh, so he was actually a better defender than a hitter in 2019, which is crazy to me because I would not have expected that at all. Because as you and I well know, he's he's more of an offensive projection than a defensive projection because he's not going to ever beat out uh, Jimenez at shortstop ever uh, defensively. So little bit surprising to me so he held his own it looks like uh when he did get all his playing time with the Mets and maybe he is just a a major league ball player on a bad team but he's someone that I just don't want to be like hey yeah you know this is the second best piece currently in the Lindor trade and we've kind of given up on that that means that 
uh, we have to put all our eggs in one basket on uh, Jimenez unless you believe in some of the Mets prospects. And you and I talked months ago that I was not overly thrilled with the Mets prospect system when we traded or before we traded for, uh, Lindor to them. So are any of those guys else that we traded for, are you super excited to see? Prospect wise. Yeah. I think, I think Isaiah Green's extremely exciting. And, and I think Josh Wolf, Wolf is too. I, I, at the end of the day, I still think they did pretty well. I just don't, I think, I just think Rosario was throwing. I, I don't think they were like adamant about getting Rosario. I, they were adamant about Jimenez. And I think there were two guys or guys they'd like right. in the system. I think Rosario was throwing. But again, my, my whole point to this whole conversation is I don't understand why Daniel Johnson has been squeezed out from day one. Like like I said, that happens all when, the, when they move Naylor to right field. It, well, it does, but it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I, I like, like you said, it's probably a combination of all three things. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand why they feel like they need to move Rosario to center field and uh, what that means for Mercado and, and Zimmer, but at the same time, why they feel like, like for God's sakes, Ben Gamble has played center field right. this spring. What yeah. the hell? Like, I just, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. And they, and they put Johnson behind the eight ball to begin with when they moved Naylor to right and they, and they made this first base battle right. happen. Uh, so I don't, I don't, the whole thing's I don't disagree. Um, I obviously think Oscar Mercado is a way better center fielder than most of these guys, but I would, if I, if you gave me the flip of the coin offensively or who would have a better offensive projection for the career, I would probably take Rosario over Mercado. That's just personal opinion. Uh, it's, it's in you know, splitting hairs. That's how I think. It doesn't mean how everybody else thinks, but I think he's just a little bit more productive from the plate. Plus, he's played 300, 400 major, 403 Major League Baseball games, and Mercado's played not even a full season yet, if you added the two seasons together. so Right. I don't know. I, like I said, this this is more about Johnson, yeah, I think, uh, than, than them. I still have, I still have a lot so of belief in Mercado. Let's put it this Zimmer, way. Let's put it this sure way. Listen, Daniel Johnson is going to get his at-batch at AAA. Someone's going to end up getting injured or traded, or the season's going to go to shit, and then he will get his at-bats. I think that's honestly going to happen one of those three ways. Maybe. So. Yeah. Well, how about this? This is the, this is the other factor in everything. Um. So, if they think that they want to continue this experiment with Ahmed Rosario, whether it's in, in alternate site camp in April until AAA opens up or, or wherever they decide to do it, I would say, and I think the fact that Rosario is struggling out of the gate is probably good for Yu Chang. Mike Freeman's already gone. So, I think this means Yu Chang makes the roster initially. I don't know how much he's going to play, but I think the fact they moved – they're talking about, you know, instead of Rosario being the backup second baseman, shortstop, uh, third baseman, and they're trying in the center field, I think that's that's a good thing for Yu Chang. I just don't know how much he's going to play, but I, I would I would say that decision probably means Yu Chang is going to start the year on the yeah, bench. Unlike, uh, you know, some, you know, Twitter who thinks Yu Chang having four home runs in spring training means that he is a everyday major league caliber baseball player. I like you more than most, but I, once again, I said it last week, I uh, think he is more of a super utility who has some pop off the bat. That's what I wrote my preview for him. I mean, the guy has some pop, you know, he'll hit 250, maybe 10 home runs, get 300 at bats, play. Okay. Deep. I think 250 is probably 
Uh, Lucky, yeah, I, I would I say not even the that. Mendoza line in majors. So if like major league pitching struggles with them, yeah, I would go closer to that number. I'm just going off minor league projection because the guys had 98 at bats in the major leagues. So, uh, right, right. Yeah. I mean, he has a little bit of pop. Uh, someone can make a mistake with a fastball and he'll get a hold of it. So I think he's a very good use super utility, you know, with Freeman being gone. I personally like you Chang a little bit more than Mike Freeman. I don't think that's a hot take. Uh, so, so okay. I'm, I'm okay with him being a super utility. He's probably not going to start for this team. Uh, infield has been set for a long time, uh, especially with the including of the Lindor trade and Cesar Hernandez. So I don't really know. I mean, he would have to have hit a thousand this spring with 12 home runs for me to even think about him starting in this infield. Right, and he's not he's not better defensively at short than no, Andre Simmons. Absolutely not. Um, he doesn't. He's not going to hit enough to be better than Cesar Hernandez. And Cesar Hernandez also won a Gold Glove at second last year. And obviously, he's not going to supplant Jose Ramirez. But if you want to, I, I don't. I don't even think this is going to happen just because of how how these guys have played. Like we talked about last week, how they handle the bench, like like. Jose Ramirez plays every day. Cesar Hernandez plays every day. I assume Absolutely. Jimenez is going to play every day too because because he's a good defender. Like, yeah, Chang Chang would be if you put if you said okay, Chang's going to play two days a week. He's going to play shortstop this day. He's going to play third base, and we're going to DH Jose or give him a day off, and we're going to move. You know, if if you could guarantee Chang, like, I don't know, two two starts a week maybe three on some weeks, depending on the health and everything. I think that could work. Like, I think that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of where he's at. I don't think they're going to do that. I, I don't know if he can succeed in that role. It's hard. This is, this is why everybody gets on them about this. Like everyone's like, Oh, they don't utilize their back. I agree. They don't, but it is really hard. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not making excuses for anybody. I'm just saying, it is hard for a player who's had what did you say Chang has something, 90, something like that is like ninety eight at bats to majors very, or, it's yeah whatever it is it is hard to play on on the bench as a player with that experience level in the majors and be good like you still have a lot to learn about yourself in the majors to to play that role like it's that's why so many teams have a veteran in that role because at that at that point. And I guess Mike Trim was, was a rookie the one year he did it, but he had been around for so long in the minors. I guess it was yeah, he was used to it. But that's why we have a lot of older guys in that role because they know, okay, I'm only going to be eight at bats a week, but I know how to be ready. And it's hard for a young guy to do that. So I understand why they prefer a veteran in that role. Like unless you're Ben Zobrist, and, and people keep saying, well, Owen Miller could be Ben Zobrist, or or Yu Chang could be Ben Zobrist, like. Ben Zobris was a freaking unicorn, man. We gotta stop comparing people to Ben Zobris. Like the guy was one of I think I think the one year in Tampa Bay, the guy led the American League in wins above replacement because he played right. so good defensively at so many positions and he hit like he had an OPS plus of like one thirty and he was a, a great defender at shortstop in a lot of other positions. Like Ben Zobris was literally a super suck. He played every day, but he played a different position like five days a week. So he was a rare guy. Like not every there's that's why there hasn't been another Ben Zobrist since you know he took off. You know, it's hard. So people gotta stop comparing it to that that position. That, that's a position you don't get a lot. And that's not usually how rosters are constructed. If you can find a guy who can 
can do that, great. But I, I need to you need to stop looking for it and start constructing your roster to make the most sense. And and if you're if you have two infielders who are going to play 150 games, and you have shortstop who probably plays that close to that, then you know you prepare your bench accordingly, and maybe that means you don't have a guy like Yu Chang. So we'll see what they do. But I, at least he's going to be on the roster. We'll see what they do with them. I don't expect big things because I don't expect him to play a lot, but. The move to center field for Rosario, I think, clearly says that Yu Chang is going to be the backup infielder. And for now, that's how it's going to go. Here's another quote for you, Spencer. On Jake Bowers and Bobby Bradley from Terry Francona uh, today, March 17th. At some point, we'll have to make a decision on first base, but you just can't make a decision based on spring training batting average. Imagine that! Not making a, a, a decision in spring training Based on Stop batting it. average, that Stop is it. just crazy. Stop it. That means, crazy. That means we get Jake Bowers uh, <laughs> April and May, it sounds like, the way that that quote went in. I am not, I'm not completely thrilled. Uh, it personally. does. I mean, obviously, like we said, he's way better defender. Uh, but if we're going all defense, the way we've been talking so far, defensively everywhere, uh, the offense for this team is going to lack in April and May. And this team is notorious for starting slow. Uh, so April could be very painful. <laughs> yeah, it is. April's and always painful. I mean, today is beautiful uh, outside. You know, the weather's bad. The offense is usually in the bottom third of the league. Uh, and if we're going for defense, we really got to hope the pitching staff holds it together because some of these guys I just don't project to be majorly quality at bats. They don't. I would say I would look at this. I know we're not really looking at spring training stats, but. Um, you know, Bowers has two doubles now. He's gotten better in the last few weeks. Um, six walks to five strikeouts versus Bradley's yeah, three walks. Three strikeouts to one. That's three strikeouts and 22 at bats. Uh, I understand we have to see how the major league. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's that, good. That's You're right. That's Bobby good. Bradley can even halfway produce, then I'm thrilled. Right. I agree. Here, here's the other, other side of this. This is what I'm, I'm not so concerned with. Who wins this first base job? Especially if it's Bowers. The, the issue with this is if you're going to go ahead and say, okay, Jake Bowers is going to play first uh-huh. base for us after spring training, you can't just say, okay, well, he sucked in April. Time to move on. Let's go with Bobby Bradley. Like, if you're if you're truly committed to seeing, like, I mean, let me look at see how many at-bats Jake Bowers has had with the Indians. Now, number one, he didn't play a single inning for the Indians last year, which Tells you a lot about what they thought of him last year, considering everybody played the outfield. Mike Freeman played the outfield last year for the Indians. Um, okay, so Jake Bowers, two years ago, had 423 plate appearances. He is 25 years old. So as much as we think that he may not be a great major league player, it's not like he's had he's got he's played he's had 811 career plate appearances, and he hasn't played right. in a major league game in a year now. So it, it, it's definitely too early to give up on him, okay? It's definitely too early to say this. he's not the guy, considering he's a former top 100 prospect, and he was really, really good his first, like, 200 at-bats with the Rays, okay? But if you're going to roll if you're gonna roll out there with decision, I don't think you can say, and this is probably why you're, this is probably why you're not thrilled, Spencer, because 
you can't just say, okay, well, here's, here's April. He sucked. Let's move on. Like if you're truly committed to this, I think you have to give Bowers and Soy Memorial Day. April and May. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to get what's the point? something at bats. And I think just the like quality of pitching, the, the, the more the quality of pitching gets, the the worst at the plate he gets, uh, to be honest with you. So, like, if it's a five-starter and he's predominantly a fastball pitcher, yeah, like, you know, Jake Bowers could hit for the cycle. Sure, that's absolutely doable. He faces uh, a halfway decent starter, and his bat starts missing balls a lot. And his strikeout rate is high, just like Bradley's. So, but, like, you know, Bradley puts the ball over the fence and can have that RBI total, which you expect out of first base. I don't see that out of Bowers at all. I don't. Uh, he's not going to – I mean, he might hit more doubles maybe, but, like, I don't know, man. I just don't see it. I just never have. Uh, I think he was exciting at one time in Tampa and as a prospect, but I just – I don't see the potential there. And, obviously, Bradley worries me because, like I said, he can't hit off-speed pitching. But I think you just go with the boom instead of the okay. I, I do agree with you on that. Let's let's play. Let's play the A and B game, like you said. Okay, so where are we at? Player A, Spencer, is going to put up a season where he doesn't even have right. a full win above replacement, and his OPS is seven thirty one. Player B, player B is going to have a seven oh six OPS. Point two right. wins above replacement. Does it uh, really freaking it matter? Doesn't. It's just a matter. It, we said this last week. It comes down to a matter of team opinion, and it seems like team opinion uh, worries more about uh, team defense than uh, you know the quality of the at bats. Not saying that the quality of bats are good from Bradley, but you know the yeah yeah that's that's more protect- where I'm, where I'm getting at, and with like. Bowers, if I remember right, I know we you kind of like dove into it there. Wasn't his war the one season with the Indians like negative one? Like, wasn't it terrible or something? Maybe I'm completely wrong with that, but it was terrible. Like, his offensive war was like ridiculously bad. It was, it was negative point or 0.03. Not good that season. I mean, those two are like, I think we talked about this. Those two are basically projected to have the same offensive output. I think. I think Jake Bowers is it like okay, so Van Graff's on zips has them at eighty-five weighted runs created plus. Bobby Bradley on zips on Van Graff's eighty-five. So it's just a matter of how they get there. Just the twenty-six home runs he's projected for is it better than Bobby? Is it better than Jake Bowers' three twenty on base percentage and and ten lost home runs? I don't know. It's really honestly, it's hard to say. I think um, it's just. I think it's going to be really goofy if they decide to say Jake Bowers is the opening day first baseman and then April 30th comes around and he's hitting 200 and you're like, okay, well, you've seen enough. Like, no, you you, you just wasted a month for no reason. That's, that's what I'm more concerned about. I mean, I, it, if he sucks, it's going, to, it's going to be a bummer if they waste 200 at-bats, like you said. But it's also a waste of time, everybody's time to roll him out there for 30 days and then – cut bait and then somebody else picks him up and then he gets 300 at bats and then, Oh, look at that. He's a league average player, which, which probably is all he is. He's probably just a league average player at, at, at best. So it's not like you're giving up a, like, I don't think the risk is 
we cut Jake Bowers and he goes to Tampa Bay or back to Tampa Bay or, or wherever, and he winds up being Jesus Aguilar or or, or Yandy Diaz or or you know Gio Urshela. I don't I don't think that's the risk here. I think the risk is you just get right. rid of a cheap uh, league average player. So we've you know what's crazy about this because we've never really had these discussions in seasons past uh, when you and I've been at the ballpark and it comes down to like depth and winning positions and which young guys do you want to see which versus who gets you know DFA'd or who gets sent down to AAA. Let's talk about a positive for a second. Just one little positive before we jump into something else. How about how awesome it is that not only do I get to go open any day, but I get to see Jimenez and Hernandez, two guys who I think will both win another gold glove in their career, turn a double play. I mean, at least Indians do have something like that. Plus Shane Bieber will be on the mound. So it's not like this team is comp- – I mean, we could like hypothetically be in a much worse spot uh, – you know, I'm just trying to like build that positive. Like, you know, this, you know, I talked about this too. We bet talked about it on that first episode. Uh, I bet the over on the win total. I still think there's enough talent on this team to win uh, a lot of games. And especially in like, yeah, the twins and the white Sox are going to be tough, but the tigers and the Kansas city Royals are still like, I mean, the Kansas city Royals have never really had pitching ever since even I've, been born to be honest with you and the tigers are we're still in the middle of a deep rebuild mode uh they got some awesome young pieces so like they're gonna win a bunch of baseball games against lesser competition so i think there's some exciting things jose ramirez is obviously probably going to be really good uh i know that's a hot take i'm sorry to be saying that here on a wednesday night at 7 30 but there's still some really good you know parts of this team and i think the defense particularly depending on if rosario gets a lot of time playing in center field will actually be relatively really good. It should be. And that's, I guess if you're going to be playing a lot of games that are three to two, you're better off. I mean, run, run prevention is so much easier to predict and it's more stable than offense, especially when you have young players. If you have young players who give you a chance at run prevention, um, it's a safer bet than counting on their bats, you know, even, even if Andres Jimenez is, so, is just a, a slightly below league average bat, you're betting on the defense and yeah. that's uh, extremely so important we're on to the, this like, kind of the team right optimism now. part of this part of podcast. And I was actually going to type it in on the rundown and I completely forgot. I wanted to counter back to you because we, I nev- haven't necessarily asked you this yet. What is your most exciting part of this roster that you're looking forward to uh, when we do play on April 1st? Yeah, I would say, yeah, the up the middle yeah, combo, like you mentioned. I think I think the bullpen too. I think the bullpen is going to be. I mean, it's going to be all all bullpens are volatile, but I'm. I think this bullpen has a chance to be really, really good, and that's kind of where I wanted to go next too. Was where this goes because the bullpen is one of those other areas of the roster that's still unsolved you know we talked about this before class a karen check mayton and wicker and they're all going to be on the roster and i think you could see any one of those four pitch anywhere between the sixth to the ninth inning like i feel like all those guys are capable of pitching in any of those innings so that leaves four spots up for grabs uh francona said today that it will be an eight man bullpen not a nine so um there's four spots up for grabs a lot of there's there's a lot of off days so spencer who 
yeah, that'll, that'll work. And I, I think they'll put a starter in the bullpen. So DJ Johnson was sent to minor league camp. So he will not be one of those veterans who gets in the bullpen. So that leaves four spots for Brian Shaw, Oliver Perez, Blake Parker, Heath Hembree, Trevor Steffen, maybe Anthony goes and maybe Adam Plutko is a long man. So, um, Spencer, who, sticking with the St. Patrick's Day theme, who needs a four-leaf clover in that bullpen? Um, I gave Parker. I gave Parker. I gave Parker. Who needs confidence to make up seven runs yesterday? So he's not on there. Uh, I did. Good uh, job, Spencer. You ruined his career. Uh, you know, whatever he needs to send me, but I'll apologize to him. Uh, Brian, Brian Shaw, Heath Henry, <laughs> out of those two, I think battle each other. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, Heath Embry's actually, I know we talked about it early on, like he doesn't wow you, but he's had a good spring, ironically enough. And Shaw had what eight K's in five innings or something like that. So, like, he's missing bats at least. So, um, I would say out of those four written there, those two guys, uh, I want to see Stefan because he, I mean, all these other three guys, I actually do think make it. Uh, and that's a matter of personal opinion. Cause I think the harder you throw, the better leeway you get uh, getting into the bullpen. Uh, apparently with the Arizona radar, Pluto is a 95 mile an hour fastball man now. So, uh, <laughs> so, so, um, yeah, who knows? I would say who knows? Pluko has the long relief gets in there. Trevor Steffen gets in there. Cause he's a rule five. Uh, Last two spots out of the four. I would say 4A and 4B are Sean Hembry. I couldn't choose between the two, man. I really can't. Are you choosing the guy that you know the most, or are you choosing the guy who's had a good spring? I think that other spot goes to Ghost just because he throws 99 miles an hour. And he's, and he's left-handed. I don't – I would love to see Ghost, but I, I also don't think they're going to bring up the majors on opening day because I think they're going to want to – like he's he's had better control this spring. I don't I don't know if he's walked anybody. I think Ghost has not walked anybody in four innings uh, and has five strikeouts. So that's good. I think they might want to see him. I don't know. Maybe, maybe maybe his last couple outings will convince him. But he's not a minor league deal, so it's not like you have to bring him up and 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 if he stinks, you can't send him back down. That's the problem. So you bring him up, he's up. You got to stick with him. So I think they'll be cautious and, and make sure that this command, if, he's, if his command is better, I think they're going to be cautious and see if he can prove it a little bit in the minors. And it's hard to do because the first month is going to be, you know, practice or inner squad. Who knows how that's going to look. So that's tough. I, I would think they'll err on the side of caution and, and say with him, they're going to make sure his control is actually better than – or as, as good as that's his numbers suggest I right they, now. I, I but, say they go for it, but I guess I wouldn't. Uh, that's right. only because how many left-handers do you know? They have that comeback story that are all, not only lefty but throw a hundred miles an hour, and that team needs that. I mean, I would love in a in an awesome world, man. In an awesome world, I don't give a uh, honestly a two flying crap who the closer is. If I got a seventh eighth inning of two guys like Ghost and Class like coming at you from either side, going a hundred miles an hour. 
Uh, that's pretty tough on any team, you know, any random Thursday night in the middle of June, man, as long as they can throw strikes. So I, I happen to agree with you. I think the bullpen has a very small chance, not even a small chance, like a medium chance of being lethal, filthy, nasty, whatever awesome word you want to use. I think that, I mean, ghost is, I think ghost is literally the left-handed version of Ricky Vaughn. Like, Maybe that's a good thing. So maybe here's the, the fact thing. that here's the thing. To, here's a here's the thing too. That's crazy. Sure. I know this sounds that's nuts, good. but you when someone throws a hundred miles an hour, you don't want them necessarily to just be pounding the strike zone because that allows for hitters to think, okay, this is going to be somewhere near the plate. Now, do I want him to be wild at hitting people in the head or hitting them in the butt or walking three batters in the inning? Absolutely not. But if he's just a tad bit. Uh, inconsistent on hitting the strike zone. That actually works in his favor. I know that sounds nuts. I know that sounds crazy. But if he's pounding the strike zone, I understand it's 100 miles an hour. Major league hitters are still major league hitters. I mean, all Rajay Davis did was choke up on the bat and take, uh, you know, uh, Raldis Chapman deep. They are hittable at the same time. Yeah, hit, guys are more adjusted to velocity. That's what I was saying. You're, I don't think you're crazy at all. I think that that little bit of uncertainty um, gets into a hitter's head. I, and, and Ghost is already an uncomfortable bat because of um, the fact that he throws that big breaking ball and, and he has a weird angle. He's my favorite. He's like my said, favorite. He throws 100. So, so I, I'm with he, just his story altogether. You know, I can remember him playing outfield. So it's like, it's cool. It's a, it's a rich ain't keel story. Uh, ironically enough, like it's, it's very, you know, diet. Rich and Keel, which is really cool, except for Ghost throws harder than Ain't Keel did. <laughs> right. I and I also think Ghost is like a I don't want to say a mean streak, but like he has a swag. I think he just he has, has like an attitude on the mound. And I think that, Yeah. I, I think you need that out of a reliever. And the only the only risk is that okay, he's not an experienced reliever. Karen's Jack and Coste aren't exp- there's no there's no experience in that bullpen. If you have Classe, Karen Shack, Maton, and Ghost, Wickren's got the most experience out of that group. That's who a cares, little bit honestly. scary. Um, but, but yeah, you balance that out with Brian Shaw. Like you have Brian you got Shaw guys there. throwing gas, and you need the old veteran like Shaw to keep the whole, you know, the youngsters together, you know, to, that throw really hard. And sure, why not? He could say, hey, I was like you guys at one point. I threw 96 back in the day. Like, you know, and. Uh, yeah, he still uh, throws 95. We'll see, we'll see apparently, he rolls around when he's throwing 91. Uh, uh, yeah, it's happened before. It's like you said, it's unlikely. But okay, so I I would say just for the heck of it, and he's had a good spring. I I'm not sure. It's hard to gauge based on Francona's comments what they think of Stefan. Like I think they like him and they understand how tough it is for a pool five pick. Um. And it's just not something they've ever done. But if the if the front office really uh, likes them and they clearly target them for a reason, I would like to see them. It's the same thing as Bowers, right? Like if you if you went out of your way to select this guy in a Rule Five draft and uh, put a put him on the forty, give him till Memorial Day, give him 10, 12 appearances, and if it works, you know it's not like you're putting him out there and like you know bases loaded in the seventh inning, you're up by a run. Like you're going to put him out there in the sixth inning when Tristan McKenzie or Cal Quantrill go. Goes yeah, five and gives up three runs and throws 100 pitches. That's when you're putting Trevor Stephan in. You're not putting him in, in, in high leverage spots. You're putting him in 
he's he's the first guy out of the bullpen when you're losing, or a, a starter comes out early. He, so he's someone. Guys, but, he's someone very you know, recently. Get him the bat uh, one. in 2020 was just dominating double A for the Yankees and the Yankees loved him. So like if he's someone that's like 25 years old, who was a college arm, who's just like, do you really want to give up on this guy just yet? And plus he is rule five. So I say you just give him those 10 appearances. Uh, if someone is able, if someone is able to be sent down then just give him those right. 10 appearances and see how it goes. Yeah. He's already on the 40. So, I mean, I guess he's a, I guess he's a guy you could clear off the 40 if you got to add somebody else to it, but. I think it, it represents a good balance. So you're saying Class A, Karen Shack, Nathan, Whitgren, yeah, Stefan, Ghost. So and that's what, spot, six? Puck goes seven. So you're, Don, you're last spot. One of those one of those two. Yeah. I would agree with you. I, if, if I that's, – that's how I, I would go with it. I would pick Shaw over Hembry just because I do know him. But I agree. I think that's your main four – you keep Plutko as your long man. You keep Stefan. Go ahead and add Ghost, and then you keep Shaw. The problem, though, is you got to add 40-man spots for Shaw and, and Ghost, and you risk losing Ghost if things if – you, if you, you can't really send Ghost down. But, you know, maybe Absolutely. it's time to, to figure out if you, you can do it. You try to experiment out. You don't put all that effort in and say, hey, man, you were really great in minor leagues, but we decided never to give you an appearance up here. So, unless – you let yeah. Right. You just don't want to be the team that – that, that tries him out, and then you're like, okay, this isn't working, and then finally somebody else gives him more time to work on his control, and he's better just, somewhere else. Can so, we just go immediately into talking about how I was completely right about Logan Allen so far? Yeah, you were, I think, the first podcast we did. You had said you were ready for, for Logan Allen to have a breakout spring, and he really has had a breakout spring. And again, there are stats, you know, spring training stats are, are – 99% crap, and who cares? Um, I think walks and strikeouts Huge. for a pitcher are – even in a hitter, we talk about Bobby Bradley, um, it's it's something you still want to see in spring training is the walks and strikeouts and um, the contact clues to everything. So Logan Allen, 11 strikeouts, one walk. That's good for him because uh, yeah. his control in the minors was yeah. barely fringe average. Like it was – it was teeter-tottering on below average to fringe average. And to boot, I think out of all the pitchers who have pitched this spring, okay, save for Kirk McCarty, who is a, is a high-A lefty who's had an inning and two-thirds of mop-up work. Uh, Eli Morgan has had one inning, too. But if any pitcher this spring who has pitched more than an inning, um, he has the highest quality opponents for in baseball reference at 8.6. That means he is – He's basically facing an average of four A. So ten is MLB level and eight yeah, is AAA. So he's averaging eight point six. So he's basically facing four A hitters, which you know it'd be great if it was nine or ten, but that doesn't happen in spring training. Eight point six means you're probably facing a lot of big league hitters because eight point six nobody is faces a higher number ten because nobody plays training for how big the how big the rosters are and how many managers you are forced to face. I mean, I bet you can go by and like. Michael Brantley and Verlander and Mike Trout, and I bet you their scores are not, you know, terribly high either. I don't think they're just batting against like the Shane Bieber's of the world. Exactly. Well, Bieber's exactly. only even at um, seven point four. So an exact opposite with. I'm sorry, yeah, well, Cal Quantrill eight point seven. Yeah, it just it sucks. So he's, with he's on the same like, pace. Um, 
his, his you know we just talked about walk to k ratio and his isn't very good so far yeah it's not great man it's not great. i still think both of them make the rotation i still think that i know i know scouts have raved about tristan mckenzie this spring but it would be very surprising to me if they if McKenzie opened the year in the bullpen or in the, in the, the, the majors April 7th, because or April 9th or April thirteenth. So I mean, I still think he just goes down and play. He pitches four innings for seventy five right. pitches down to AAA until his arm is ready to actually handle a full season load. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they know more than I do. But uh, I say you give Quantrill kind of the uh, the experiment that everybody else deserves to. Maybe 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 April is just a whole experiment. Mm-hmm. And maybe we're all really excited, and these guys show all their potential, or we're pulling our hair out. That's kind of how April goes when your team is iffy everywhere. Right, and you really have to rely on pitching. So that that does make the argument of, of maybe McKenzie versus Quantrill a tough one because McK- I mean McKenzie's numbers aren't great this spring, but everybody talked about how. In control, he looks on the mound, how good his stuff looks, and he's throwing 95, right. 96 right now. So I think McKenzie, I think McKenzie is, is good enough to be in the rotation, obviously talent wise, but I would say in April, I would, it'd be, it'd be a better yeah. bet to send him to the alternate site, let him like said, throw 75 pitches, just, you know, save him for like the bulk of the season. This is the other thing I wanted to stress before we get to the end of the podcast. Because right. we're talking about the opening day roster so much. Who cares? Who cares who the first 26 guys are from from April 1st Memorial Day? Because I guarantee you from, from April 1st Memorial Day and then from June 1st to the rest of the year, your roster is not going to be – like you might have 20 out of that 26 that hang on the rest of the year, 19. Like who cares who the first 26 guys on the roster are? Those guys are not going to be the guys that are playing all like 95% of your season. Okay. Like, I think the guys who play the majority of the season, like I said, you, you might keep 20 guys out of that. So I think the last six guys or seven guys are going to wind up being interchangeable. Things change. Guys get hurt. Um, guys get sent down. Guys get traded. Stop! I, I, we've got to stop worrying so much. And, and this, I don't think it's worrying, but people are so hyper focused on who makes the opening day roster versus who. Okay, is Tristan McKenzie throwing 150 innings? And are those 150 innings coming from June to, right. or you know, May or June through September? Like, who cares? As long as there is, he's right. he's still pitching the bulk of the season in the majors. That's that's what I mean, it's like so, my draft season. Uh, it, it reminds me a lot of that because, like, you know, these guys do all this research, just like we spent all this time. I mean, we spent three or four hours on this podcast debating opening day roster stuff. By July, fifty percent of it will matter. Uh, you know, the the same guys who are always good will stay on the team, and then the bottom half of the roster will change. I understand we're in a different uh, style of life now, where more of the roster is uncertainty. Uh, but I wouldn't stress who plays on April 1st versus who plays on July 1st. Just like 
oh, you know, I know the Browns are for sure going defensive end or linebacker, and then they draft the wide receiver. You don't know. You don't know how it's going to be. You don't know who the backup linebacker is going to be in training camp. Uh, it's just like those things. Is it fun to debate these things and talk about it? Absolutely. That's sports. It, that's sports in a mindset. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Like we all have our opinions on it. And we can go look back in April, kind of like what I say with Logan Allen. Like, hey, I told you so. But I really wouldn't stress, like, like if your guy gets sent down, like if Anthony goes or gets sent down and, you know, it's – like, well, you know, I wasn't right in that situation, but I really wanted him to get a shot, and then he got a shot with another team. Well, you weren't wrong about him. You just weren't right about him with this team, and that's okay. Like, our opinions are wrong all the time. Uh, there's baseball players. <laughs> you and I could go on another 10 minutes about baseball players. We thought were going to be incredible. That ended up not being incredible. It- <laughs> I was going to say that. I was, gonna, I was literally going to say that. <laughs> that was my Francisco Lindor of two th- the early 2010s. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you know, Tyler Naquin was a, uh, you know, by one of our friends standards, a first ballot hall of famer in right field. So, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to name names cause he's going to listen to this later, but, uh, I really wouldn't like you. Yeah. Mark. Yeah. You with Mark, Mark Reynolds, Reynolds. and I've had very, <laughs> uh, loud conversations about Mark Reynolds before, uh, but yeah, I would, I, get back to your point. I wouldn't stress about yeah. opening day rosters. If your player that you specifically want to see is not on the team on April first, it's it's not the it's not the end, or if he is on the roster, like, it's not the end of the world. Uh, and my biggest advocate with April is with young teams is either you're going to see these guys go boom. It cut, there's like two things: they go boom, and then the major leagues kind of figure these guys out, or they go bust. And then they figured the major leagues out. You might have a little bit of middling ground there, but that's how all it, all, it always goes. You know, everybody kind of like figures out tendencies. That's the beauty of baseball. And especially with baseball technology, everybody figures everybody else out. So um, we'll see how it looks, how our conversations change. Like I would say hypothetically, like June 1st, like you said, Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. Things could change for sure. Yeah, if that guy you want to see is not in the open day roster, like you said, Anthony Goes, there's still a good chance Anthony Goes throws 30 innings for the Indians, and it just doesn't happen to be in April. It happens right. to be in August. Like, fine. Yeah. That's, maybe they're, maybe those are good, and that's important, you know, and, and then yeah. he ends up being a guy. So, And if your take is right, congratulations. We'll see how things go wrong, from there. Don't worry. Literally, if we were all 100% right on our takes – you know, we would all have the last name call or uh, cowherd, but we're not, you know, a hundred percent right. So, yeah. So, it also would be very boring. Talk- be no- we let's, wouldn't be doing this uh, podcast because it would just be so boring. Before your rant, yeah. Crazy part. Oh, you mean owner, yeah. Red Sox owner LeBron James? Yeah. So, this is my this is my theory. This can be a crazy theory. You had a crazy theory before. I'll go crazy theory. Um, well, first of all, LeBron James already owned a pair. I didn't know this, but apparently he was like a part owner of the. Yeah, he is. I think it's Liverpool. So he and yeah. and, and that Fenway Sports Group that owns the Red Sox, they also own Liverpool. So he was already a part of their group. I think he's expanding his ownership from part owner of a soccer team to part owner of a baseball team. But I know because we're very rational and we're not burned by anything in Cleveland. I'm sure there are people out there who were like, well, oh, the Dolans couldn't get LeBron to invest in the team. He had to go invest in the Red Sox. Well, look, 
John Sherman wanted to buy the rights, but they weren't for sale when he wanted to buy them. So he came in, he bought a share of the Indians. Well, the Royals came for sale, and then what did he do? He left the Indians and he bought the Royals. So I don't know if LeBron wants to own the Indians. I don't. Who knows? But all I'm saying is he's got his toe in the water now of baseball ownership. I ironically Um, live across the street uh, where he's building, like, this humongous Dick Sporty Goods complex in Akron uh, at Tangier. I think uh, at some point in our lifetime, LeBron James is going to be like the uh, the Dan Gilbert of the world and just own this city. Ironically enough, everywhere like he's going, him and him and Maverick Carter are on a freight train, basically to own as much stuff and do as much stuff as possible. I mean, they're in they're in media, they're in social media, they're they're in they're in foundations. The I mean, second part to this, right? which I find the most hilarious part, is I have family in Boston, and I know a lot of Boston fans. Boston as a city collectively, and I wonder how this feels today. Maybe they talked about it on sports radio up there. They hate LeBron James. They can't stand him. And now he's the one mm-hmm. investing in their most beloved team. Yeah, the Patriots had the dynasty. Absolutely. The Patriots are loved very much up there, but that's because they were successful. The Red Sox are that homegrown blood. We needed to win a World Series, the curse of the Bambino, go to Fenway. That's their that's their lifeblood up there is the Red Sox. And now <laughs> LeBron James walks in after being a minority owner with Liverpool, and now he's putting cash flow inside of the Red Sox. And I really think that gets some of the Bostonians' bloods uh, really going. I would love to have listened. I would have loved to listen to some radio up there, today, to be honest with you. Yeah, that, that's, that, that is too. funny. And he grew that up a too. Yankees fan. Everyone's like, oh, this guy's a Yankees fan. But M- money talks. I don't think he really cares. Yeah, I, I think the guy Absolutely. just wants. I That's think he I wants said. to warn Buffett. He must be, you know, his roots will come right back to where he was rooted in. I think he's going to own so many things in Northeast Ohio. I mean, I live in Akron personally, and he owns like twenty five percent of the buildings in Akron. I swear to God, he is buying a new building. It feels like every day. As a guy who works in building services, he buys a new building or new land every day. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he's a mole. He just wants to be everywhere. So, yeah, it would have been great if he had been like, "Oh yeah, I'll be a, a part owner of the Indians now." But yeah, he, you know, he'd be worth maybe less eventually that happens. Than, uh, Who knows? He's just the Dolans, but spend more. Ironically enough, but that would be my rant for the day, and I'm not going to. I'm going to let you rant. Yeah. So this we can have this be the uh, the way things are going, Spencer. <laughs> this is going to be a regular segment because I don't know if it. Um, Oh, I'm yeah, I'm old and cranky, and and you know what the segment really is why why does baseball hate its fans? That that that's the weekly segment, right? Because yep. I feel like every week I text you about something like, oh, baseball's stupid doing this, baseball's stupid for this, and this isn't this okay, isn't even man. actually baseball's fault directly. <laughs> it, it's it's yeah. indirectly it is, but it's not it's not directly. So uh, if you missed the announcement today. And this has been announced. It's just, I don't know. They put out a press release finally. So all across the network, including Sports Time Ohio or Fox Sports, whatever, Fox Sports owns SDO. They did. Um, all the Fox Sports have been rebranded as um, Bally's. So the, the betting outlet um, bought 
the RSN. So Disney, I guess Disney bought Fox and that came along with all the Fox Sports regional networks and the SDC or the F- FCC, I'm sorry, said that the uh, that Disney, who owns ESPN, can't also own all those Fox Sports regional outlets because it was a conflict of interest and, and monopoly. So they forced them to sell the the uh, regional sports networks. And Bally's came along and bought them. So, like, uh, the Minnesota Twins are playing on Bally Sports North. And Cleveland is going to play on Bally Sports Great Lakes. The one problem with that is, as far as I can tell, at least in Cleveland, this is this is the case across the United States right now. Um, unless you have Spectrum or you have AT&C U-verse, if you're a cord cutter, you can't watch Indians baseball. And it's the same in, 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 in Kansas City. So it's like, I think Kansas City also has Spectrum. So if you're not, if you're not a subscriber of Spectrum or some local cable outlet or you don't have AT&T mm-hmm. U-verse, you can't watch Kansas City Royals baseball. So basically, unless you pay for cable or you have this one specific streaming mm-hmm. option, which I've had AT&T U-verse before. It's fine. It's okay. Not great. Doesn't have MLB Network, which is why I don't have it. I love MLB Network, even though they're terrible sometimes themselves. Um, basically, you can't watch baseball. And it's not MLB's fault because they don't own the – they can't control what teams – who they teams, can't even force teams deal with as far as the local TV contracts. Like, that's up to them. Right. But, like, what the hell? This is, like, already – baseball is already a regional sport. Like, it's not a nationally loved sport anymore. You know, it used to be the big four back in the day. Baseball, football, basketball, hockey. And well, now it's the big two. So Hockey's not hockey, part of the big four sorry, anymore. Yeah, and you know how hockey's already jumping in front of baseball? Hockey. hockey just signed a deal with ESPN. Now they're in line with baseball. Right. Well, they have been, but now they're back towards them a little more. You're right. But, like, baseball is so bad at getting their sport. Like, it's bad enough they can't extend right. their reach to people who are like, eh, it's okay. I don't love baseball. It's okay. Or people don't like it. But now, with all these cable issues, they can't even freaking get their games on in front of the local fans. Like, MLB TV already is blacked out everywhere. Like, I have friends in Buffalo, New York, and, and North Carolina who – can't even watch the Indians on MLB TV. Like they're, you know, obviously it's a regional black. Yeah, it's so if ridic- you live in Cleveland, it's ridiculous. Like you can't buy an MLB TV and watch the Indians. Are predominantly Whatever. are not only are, not only are they horrible, but they're you know, bullshit. ironically they're enough, stupid. I was talking with my father and grandfather back in the day when cord cutting first became a thing, and they said, they said, will the TV deal companies like the Disney's, ABCs, and everything else will find a way to figure it out, and that's exactly what they did, man. Not only did every single big network create their own streaming service, but they allowed for you not to be able to see anything anymore. I mean, if it goes from like Peacock getting the office to baseball being blacked out to it being have to be on a specific app that you have to pay for. They figured it out, man. Cause two years ago I was able to watch, uh, try baseball games on YouTube TV for four, for, for $45 a month plus $20 for Wi-Fi. Now mm-hmm. I that was great. pay, uh, $119 for cable and Wi-Fi put together with the spectrum app, including all my TV apps. So here I was thinking someday, Oh, I'm saving a bunch of money 
uh, with all these streaming services. Between the 119 plus the other 20 or 30 I use on streaming services, I'm paying the same exact I was before. So these companies, these conglomerates in the cable business figured it out. And you knew they would because they had to get their money, obviously. And we're the ones hurting for it, not only through national sports, but just through streaming Mm -hmm. TV shows themselves. So, and the bad part is baseball can't seem to figure it out. Like if it was uh, a trivia game versus two people, the other person always wins and the baseball, you just didn't click the buzzer fast enough. They're always a step behind. They're a step behind it. So they're a step behind in social media. They're a step behind in TV deals. Mm -hmm. They're a step behind in merchandising. They're a step behind in blackouts, all, all of that stuff, marketing, they can't even Marketing. like it's crazy to me. And I know this is used by everybody. This is the most common thing of all time. It is crazy that the best baseball player probably ever is playing right now. And no one, and I, I'm going to, I know I really want to say this, but no one gives a shit. No one does. Mike Trout is probably going to be the best baseball player ever with uh war to me or to what baseball stats say. No one's going to care. He's going to make the playoffs twice, maybe mm-hmm. never advance to the second round and end up playing 20 seasons. And not only was that just a team issue with the team being bad and not putting a good team around him, but baseball just can't seem to market the guy at all. And it's kind of his own fault too, a little bit because he's a very quiet guy, but baseball's done no favors to themselves to put him out on the pedestal of the spotlight at all. He's just not as cool as Ken Griffey Jr. He's not as, uh, you know, he's not in playoff games hitting majestic three-run home runs like Barry Bonds. There's just – it's crazy to me that we're watching someone as good as Mike Trout mm-hmm. and nothing's going to happen of it, man. I mean, Francis- Francisco – and you're, you're talking about, I know, but like even you're talking a national level what here. I'm talking national, regional. And, that's a like, the, and yeah, what's the, happening with regional is is if the, their own people. The craziest part about regional, if the own people can't see it, like if I can't see an Indians game, let's say we still have Lindor, right? And Lindor's a national prospect. Then nationally, it hurts baseball even worse. So regional, ironically, has enough to do with national. And national spotlight is where baseball hurts wor- at the worst right now. It, it does hurt the worst, but even you need to have that strong regional appeal. And when you don't have your team's games on – TV, and especially for Cleveland, who has an attendance problem, and especially right now when fan capacity is limited to ten percent right now, and you and and most of your 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 uh, interest in the team comes from TV because we know the TV ratings have been really good. Well, only like I don't know, yeah. less than half of your population can watch the damn game. You really screw it, and it's not the not the Indians' fault, but they're in a they're it, baseball, it's, it's, a, it's a baseball it, problem indirectly. Like but they know they don't. But they also couldn't figure it out in time. Like they couldn't figure out how to deal with TV deals on a regional, national level. They gave too much freedom to the teams to do whatever they want. I mean, I could go on and on and on how amazing it can be to be a baseball owner because I and I this is very rarely never talked about. But if you don't have to open your books, you can just lie and say you lost money. And this doesn't go to the Indians. This goes to any team. You could say, oh, yeah, man, it was a tough year due to mm-hmm. the pandemic. We lost money. And then if they open the books, it's like, well, look at that shit. Their payroll was like 
you know, this much, they actually made a crap ton of money just off a TV deal alone. Plus they didn't have to pay any workers because they weren't inside the stadium. So like they don't have to open up and say those things out in the public. Uh, you know, they want people in the government to show their tax returns. They won't do those either. We have that same problem in baseball. Uh, and at the same time, you have Major League Baseball who lets the same ownerships do whatever TV deal they want. So if you have an owner who's like, well, I want this much money off of a TV deal, but I'm going to put this little of effort into it, then he's going to make a boatload off of it. His profit margins are going to be super high. Well, bottom line, that's, that's I don't, if, if, if baseball has to step in and, and help help these regional, well, they need to. But if, you're, if your yeah. team's games aren't on TV locally, you're killing the product even more. Lo- locally, local interest matters. And right now, a lot of fans in Cleveland and, and all over baseball my, uh, and other markets don't have access my, to watch the game my, because of the – TV issues. It's bullshit. <laughs> to Figure all it Indians out. Fans, it out. Couch, I say the sport. And I do have Spectrum, so I will help you see Indians games when I can. Uh, it'll be $5 at the door. So whenever you whenever you get the chance, just uh, shoot yeah, shoot me a DM <laughs> in my Twitter and uh, you know, watch right? the Pride games together. Well, I'll see you there yes, on your couch at some point. I'll see you down at the ballpark opening day. I think we've gone long enough. If you've listened this long, thank you. Um, please subscribe to IBI. If you can, if you like prospects and you like daily coverage of hot prospects, uh, follow me on Twitter at JL underscore baseball. Follow Spencer at scarlson29. Follow the official IBI account at official underscore IBI. Um, uh, that's, yeah, that's really uh, all I got. Spencer, you guys anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Uh, <laughs> yeah, stay, stay, stay on topic, all right? Uh, stay focused, all right? Stay I'm focused. Gonna, uh, Hernandez, Jimenez, double plays. That's what I'm going to leave on. That's a good one, too. Uh, I'll leave on this. Uh, treat people with respect. Don't uh, don't participate in, in hating other people because of their race or gender. 100%. Uh, real sad out there to see some stuff like that. So stop Asian hate. Yeah, stop Asian hate and, and don't treat anybody yeah, everybody loves because everybody. of it says it right up there in the wall. Their their race or gender or anything. Uh, yeah, yeah. Life's short. Too too short to hate. We got some, too little time on this planet to to be hating people over other stuff when you could easily hate them because they like you Chang or because yep. they, um, they like a different baseball team than you. So hate, hate them over those things. <laughs> Everybody have a good weekend. We'll catch you next week. Uh, <laughs>